You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. We're shipmates, aren't we, Jim? Gentlemen of fortune together. Give us one more chance. Oh, hell, Jim. I can never harm you. You're honest and brave and true. You didn't learn that from me. I learned it from my friends, Mr. Silver. Now take your oars and row away. I never want to see you again, ever. Welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a show that looks at movies in a franchise, one film at a time. Uh, I'm your host, Matt. You can check out our website at sequelcast.com. We're in the middle of looking at the various Muppet films, and this week we're taking a look at Muppet Treasure Island. This was released in 1996. That's Thrasher, my co-host. Thrasher, hello. Hello. And um, directed by... Or should I say, ahoy! There you go. Ahoy, arg, pirate time. Uh, this is directed by Brian Henson, who is the son of uh, Jim Henson. And Brian Henson also had directed Muppet uh, Christmas Carol, which we covered last week. Uh, you can check out all the SequelCast episodes either at SequelCast.com, or uh, if you go to iTunes, look up SequelCast, we're in there as well. You can also get in touch with us at our Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com slash SequelCast. And uh, we have various sponsors and, and so forth. Um, we have links to Amazon stuff on SequelCast.com. And you can also hear SequelCast on Stitcher if you get the Stitcher app from stitcher.com slash SequelCast. Not only does it add SequelCast as one of your favorite shows, but you have the chance possibly to win 100 American dollars. Just go to stitcher.com slash SequelCast. And Stitcher is an app where you get to hear podcast on the go streaming instead of having to download it every time. It's a real convenient way to listen to a lot of podcasts like the SequelCast. Um, can you believe we're nearing on 100 episodes of the SequelCast, Thrasher? I'm getting both excited and aroused with that prospect. Yeah, it's hard to believe, but I guess it's been about almost three years. Because we started in September 2000, September or October 2009. I think somewhere around there is when the first show came on. And then you didn't come, Sounds about and right. you didn't come on the show, I think, until early 2010. Because I, I think it was... Yeah, it was... Uh, was it Smokey and the yeah, Bandit? or Smokey and the, Smokey and the Bandit 2 was... I really wanted to be on Smokey and the Bandit 3, just schedule-wise, 2 was the one I ended up on. Right, okay, so that, that still would have been in 2009. But yeah, it's crazy, it's been a while. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that more when that happens. 
We should give ourselves an award. I think the sequel cast special show, the next one, might have to be 100 sequel cast episodes. Or maybe not. A look back. Oh, I don't know. We can save that for the three-year anniversary. Okay, whatever. This is nonsense. We're talking about Muppet Treasure Island. Um, <laughs> Which is not nonsense. Well, it's a hard-bitten political thriller. A hard-bitten political thriller. That's right. Muppets meet Tom Clancy. That's Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, so when did you first see Muppet Treasure Island, Thrasher? I saw this in the theater's opening weekend. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, this this is one of my favorite Muppet movies. Hmm. My my wife uh, thinks that is... I think she says this is her favorite. And for me, I didn't see Muppet Treasure Island. I would have been in high school when this came out in 96. I saw it at a family reunion... Um, I went to it during the summer, I believe, like in '97 or something. And uh, my cousins, younger cousins, were watching it, and I had a hard time getting into it. And uh, so, watching it now for the sequel cast in 2012 is the first time I had seen the movie in about 15 years. So, um, of course, it stars uh, Tim Curry as Long John Silver. Which does this? Am I correct? Is this the first movie with Tim Curry actually in it that we've done? No, I think that might be Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Oh, that's right. This is our second, second Curry movie. Despite all the talking we do on sequel cast of uh, Tim Curry, but it is our most Tim Curry movie we've ever done. Sure, and um, I was doing some uh, research for this film, and I, I found out Tim Curry was always the number one choice of uh, director Brian Henson for this film for Long John Silver. But at the time, it almost was not going to work out. Tim Curry was set to uh, do a TV movie uh, based on the James Clavell book. Um, gee, I believe Noble House. I could have that wrong, but it's one of his Asian uh, epic books about, uh, this was about like businessmen in Hong Kong. That, that TV movie ended up falling through, so he was able to jump into Muppet Treasure Island. I'm not sure who their second choice would have been. Um, Michael Caine? I don't think they would have used Michael Caine again, and Michael Caine uh, played Scrooge in Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, I still would like to see that. Allah, I'm Lone John Silver. Yeah, that, that would have been uh, something. I, I do think, and speaking of Treasure Island, you know, this has been made into a movie several times um, over the years, whether for TV or in film on the big screen. And uh, coming up, I believe, in 2012... Let me confirm this. I'm so... Yeah, the date keeps changing on this this upcoming Treasure Island project. Yeah. Um, so there's a Treasure Island miniseries directed by Steve Barron, who I got to interview briefly on our episode for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first live-action film, because he directed that as well. And uh, but he directed a TV movie that stars a uh, uh, comedian Eddie Izzard as uh, Long John Silver, and it, it looks pretty cool. And um, it's a two-part miniseries. It's already aired on the UK. It aired in um, January of 2012, but in Damn. but in the US it has not come out yet. But when it comes out in the US, we'll let listeners know it's going to be coming out on Sci-Fi Channel. I know that much. Um. And yeah, according to Wikipedia, there's been over 50 versions of Treasure Island made in, in movie and TV versions. This one for the Sci-Fi Channel, how many Sharkadiles are going to be in it? I don't know how many Sharkadiles are going to be in it. I um, recall the, the brief interview I had with the director of that show, uh, Steve Barron, 
he was saying it, it has like a serious tone, uh, even though Eddie Izzard, you know, stars in it and he's known more as, as a comedian for the most part. Um, and Eddie Izzard looks pretty cool as Long John Silver. He has like a shaved head and all these tattoos and stuff. So uh, that, that should be pretty cool. They've been doing a lot of sci-fi stuff on Sci-Fi Channel that's um, kind of like modern, darker uh, takes on fairy tales. Uh, they did it like Alice in Wonderland, a version of that. And Wizard of Oz and all these uh, called the Tin Man and these different things recently. So um, that looks pretty neat. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But we're here talking about Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, other Muppet films have you know some cameos, and this one kind of like Muppet Muppet Christmas Carol doesn't really have that many cameos. I mean, you do have a movie star Tim Curry as Long John Silver. You have a uh, comedian and actor Billy Connolly as Billy Bones in the beginning, and Jennifer Saunders as Mrs. Bluebridge. Yeah, when it comes down to it, this is probably the only cameo. F- well, the no, Christmas, that I right? Think about that Muppets Christmas yeah. Carol didn't have any cameos. There's a, no. a, a cameo gap. But even this one, compared to the other ones, has less cameos or less well-known actors. It's more about um, the Muppets, and like, I mean, along the lines of Christmas Carol with Treasure Island. You know, they're kind of doing, hey, it's the Muppets in a classic, um, I guess, children's story in a classic story. We can just say that much. Is that fair to say? Mm, yeah. Right? And that's sort of the thing they're going with at this time. And one thing I didn't realize, but doing uh, more research, is Muppet Treasure Island at the time was the biggest grossing Muppet movie, second only to the original The Muppet movie. Which makes it truly astounding that there wasn't, like, they, they didn't round this out in a trilogy and do another classic work of literature with the Muppets. I agree. I, I find that very surprising. Like... Muppets Gulliver's Travels would have been <laughs> kick-ass. Right? I mean, the possibilities are endless. You could have done, uh, right, Muppet Gulliver Travel, as you said. You could have done uh, Muppets 1984, Muppets <laughs> Muppets Clockwork Orange. No, but I mean, there, there's so many different things you could have done. I, I agree. It's a bit surprising you didn't follow along that tack for a third uh, film. Or whatever. It would have been sixth, technically. But you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Sort yeah. of the more modern Muppet trilogy, if you will. I mean, you, you'd think this movie would prove that formula an undeniable success. Sure. Um, so, before we get into the film, we might as well talk about how we let off these other Muppet shows on the sequel cast. Uh, what did you think about the music in this movie? You had... This movie is wall-to-wall awesome musical numbers. Right, and not just the musical numbers. The score was done by Hans Zimmer with additional music by Harry Gregson-Williams. Hans Zimmer has done so much stuff over the years, including the, uh... He's contributed stuff to, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, speaking of pirates, and the recent uh, Christopher Nolan Batman films. Uh, the Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, and Batman Begins. And uh, one of the people that helped with the music for this film, Harry Gregson-Williams, did music for um, some of the later Metal Gear Solid games. Metal Gear Solid 2 through 4, he did some music for those games. Um, so that's interesting. And the the song... Is he responsible for the infamous Snake Eater song? Uh, no, no, that was done by a different composer. Okay. Although Snake Eater is a great video game music song from Metal Gear Solid 3, uh, done by a Japanese composer who... I believe it's Norihiko Hibino. Um, but no, I love I love the music in this in this movie. If you are ever at a convention 
and want to get a lot of positive attention for your booth, just start singing the professional pirate song like Tim Curry. Have you done that before? Every damn year. <laughs> and it works? <laughs> yeah, it does. Okay. It gets it Yeah, if if cuz cuz the thing is if you're if you're working a booth at a, at a, at a convention, there's just nothing but chatter around you, and you really do want to do something fun that'll get people's attention. So just belting out in a boisterous Tim Curry voice an awesome pirate song that everybody loves, that that can get a crowd going. Oh, it is worth mentioning the musical numbers in this were done by a pop uh, husband and wife team, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil. And uh, they've done such classic songs as Somewhere Out There uh, from An American huh. Tale. And you look at the list on Wikipedia. They they helped uh, write this song. You've lost that love and feeling, along with Phil Spector. Um, There's just really uh, just so many classics. I can I could list them all, but that'd be boring. So, if you just look uh, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil on Wikipedia, you can see all the stuff they've done. So they have a pop music background. Um, so or so, you can Google their names on Bing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can do that too. So. Um, yeah, or Yahoo their names on Alta Vista, or an Ask Jeeves or whatever number of search engines you wish to use. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't like the the songs very much in this Muppet Treasure Island, and maybe it's because really? I I didn't see this one when I was younger. But I just found a lot of the songs shrill and annoying, specifically Cabin Fever. Really? Yeah. I, I really enjoy Cabin Fever. I, I just felt like the numbers were just like noise for noise sake, and I do I do think Professional Pirate is the most typical kind of show tune sounding number. Also, you have the love duet between uh, Miss Piggy and Kermit the Frog called Love Lettuce here. That gets it. Well, that is, that is tacked on, and they really do try to wedge some comedy into that scene. But it's still, I think it's a well-crafted song. Uh, what's really bizarre is hearing Love Lettuce here in the movie, you know, uh, anytime you hear Miss Piggy, uh, played by Frank Oz, doing singing lyrics, in a song, it's just it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. But then in the end credits, uh-huh. you get a cover of it performed by John Barry and Helen Darling that sound like in the oh, vein yeah. of Beauty and the Beast or something when Disney did the pop version of that song from their cartoon. So, and there's also an original music uh, song for the movie. Or, no, I don't know if that's true. Um, Love Power is a song in the end credits that's not in the actual film. But I don't know if that was a song performed uh, just for the film. Oh, that kind of like Caribbean yeah. reggae type song. Yep. Not really reggae, but Caribbean. Yep. I I suspect, I mean, I, I clearly know, I don't think any Muppets are really going to sing that, but I I guess they felt they had to, they had to have something going on at the end. Right. But, uh, you know, we can go back to the beginning of the film. Had you ever read the book Treasure Island uh, growing up? Yes. I've read. I had it read to me as well. You know, I have a confession to make. I by Robert Louis Stevenson. Robert Louis yes. Stevenson also wrote "Kidnapped." Is that right? Uh yes, and uh, the Curious Case of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Oh, right. Of course, of course. Um, I've never made it through the entire book Treasure Island, even though it's a very short book. As a kid, I would love the beginning with all the stuff with the black spot and Billy Bones, and then I would get bored by the time they're on the pirate ship and never finish the book. So. Really? Shame on me. I, I realize it's a very short book. It's a classic. It's just, for whatever reason, I haven't uh, never finished it. So, Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, I really like... Uh, I'm sorry, I was, I was horrified oh, okay. to, hear, to hear that. I'm sorry. 
Uh, Kevin Bishop as Jim Hawkins, he looks like he stepped right out of a comic book or something. Well, he he, he looked like he stepped out of an, an original production of Oliver. That too, yeah. <laughs> but he does a good job, and he's he's actually a he's a, a comedian and uh, talk show host in in Britain, as I understand it now. Yeah, it looks like he hosts a show called Les Kelly's Britain. So, and the Kevin Bishop show. Very neat. Um, no, I, I think he's good. I think, you know, you have a, a, a kid in the lead, and that's sort of the opposite of what you had with Muppet Christmas Carol. You had Michael Caine, a very old, you know, an, an, an older actor in the lead. So and maybe they picked Treasure Island on purpose because they think it would appeal more for kids than Christmas Carol. I'm not really sure, and I mean, obviously, this was a successful film, so whatever they. Well, you know, it, it is, it is kind of tricky because, like, I think the only real kid Muppet is Robin the Frog, and I could totally see this film being done with Robin the Frog in that role. Yeah. And which, I mean, I don't know what their process was making this movie. That could have been the original intention, but having, I think it's good to have a good human character in these films that isn't that isn't the villain i i I like that there's a real kid uh swept up in all this adventure that's one of the things that makes the novel so appealing exactly and uh so what do you think of the the beginning to this film pretty good i mean you know you uh pretty good i love i love uh billy Connolly's billy bones just it's great to see Billy Connolly and everything, but he does a just he does a great job here. And I love when uh, when uh, Blind Pew comes in, played by the Muppet uh, Uncle Deadly. And I just love all the cheap blind jokes that that like that they take with him, like swinging around and like you know pointing at things as if he's looking at something, but clearly they're on the other side of the room. Right, it is something, uh, and yet the performance by Billy Colony, ah, I can't speak, Connolly, not Colony, is intense. Not as in, quite as intense, you know, as Michael Caine, as uh, Scrooge from Up at Christmas Carol, but he has a lot of good energy to it, and he, he still comes off as kind of scary, which I think is necessary, and even though his death scene is only protracted for a comedic effect. Yeah, well, he also he well he does what humans should do in this movie, and that's take everything seriously. And it's great again as the sort of narr- they're less of a narrator in this film; they're more just like friends of Jim Hawkins. But you have Gonzo and Rizzo, which is a kind of a repeat of what they did with Muppet Christmas Carol, but in a slightly different way, you know. Yeah, well, they're not narrators; they're they're buddies. They're buddies, but they're still they're, they're Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Yep. And uh, that's always fun, too. I mean, it's actually quite a while until you see Kermit the Frog in this movie. Which is kind of nice. I like that it's, I like that they don't front-load it with Kermit. I like that they give Gonzo and Rizzo a chance to, to shine. Right. I think that's something that works uh, pretty well in this film. Um, and also Jennifer Saunders as Mrs. Bluebridge, who's kind of this tavern owner. She is from... Absolutely. Actually, I, yes. I was way into Ab Fab when this came right. out. I was so thrilled to see her in this movie. Absolutely fabulous, which is a, a British uh, sitcom that they aired heavily on Comedy Central in repeats at the time this movie came out. Um, right, and uh, she's good too. It's a pretty brief part. I didn't even recognize her really. She has some makeup and stuff on. 
Well, she can really get lost in a role. Sure. I uh, I didn't even think it was a cameo, and my wife was looking it up as we were watching the movie, and she's like, oh, that's who that is. Because I recall, like, she and Dawn French are also in James and the Giant Peach, which came out at around this time. And, again, you don't you don't immediately recognize them. James and the Giant Peach is a, an animated, a stop-motion animated, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And did, did, uh, did they do voices in the stop-motion part, or...? Uh, n- uh, not as I recall. They just played uh, the two, the two wicked aunts. Oh, okay. It was aunt Spiker and Aunt something or other. I forget. I always forget the other ones. Mm, I haven't seen that in years. Uh, but yeah, cool. So, I mean, eventually this story of Treasure Island is so classic. Eventually, they get on the uh, the ship, captained by Kermit the Frog, as as Captain Smollett. Captain Smollett. No, I guess we. I guess they, they don't just like go from seeing Billy Connolly. I guess for, oh, no. for those for those <laughs> uh, culturally disenfranchised people who have never read this book, uh, Jim finds out that his father used to be involved with from from Billy Bones. Finds out that his father used to be involved with a band of pirates, and Jim is given a treasure map showing where they buried all their loot. So Jim gets hooked up with uh, this guy Squire Trelawney, uh, played by Fozzie Bear who's going to help put together an expedition to retrieve and profit from all this treasure. And, of course, Captain Abraham Smollett is the captain that they hire to actually run the ship. And it's nice to see Sam the Eagle as his first mate, Mr. Arrow. Oh, It's yes. always good to see Sam the Eagle. and the co- It's a perfect part for him. Oh, yes. And, and with, the, with the pirate hat and stuff, it just matches his character perfectly. And, of course, we got Tim Curry, as we've been talking about, as Lon John Silver. Uh, his, the harmless cook. The horrible cook. and uh, Harmless. Harmless. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, now, Tim Curry's accent, I think, is very peculiar in this movie. Oh? I, I think it's not, you know, he the actor is British, and it's not quite British all the way through. I think sometimes he tries to Americanize it some with some of the pronunciations of words. Uh, I don't hear that. No? You think it... No, well, the thing is... You have to understand that the character of Long John Silver, Long John Silver is a liar. Yeah. So whenever he's whenever he's doing his duties as, as a cook or is around Jim, who he's trying to ingratiate himself to since Jim has access to the treasure map, he has this kind of overblown, whimsical, oh, smart as pint you are, Jim, smart as pint, like piratey voice. But when he's only around the pirates, that's when his real wicked self comes out, and that's when you get that deeper more threatening tim curry voice it's it's because long john silver has to play both the part of an intimidating pirate captain and also a harmless cook i'd like to read a quote from roger ebert's review of muppet treasure island he describes tim curry's performance very well yeah um it is an easy co-stirring co-starring with a Muppet, as actors as talented as Orson Welles and Michael Caine have discovered over the years, but Curry's strategy is to out-act and out-bluster them, and mostly he succeeds. <laughs> That's pretty good. It is sort of the opposite of Michael Caine's performance in Muppet Christmas Carol, where he's underplaying everything and playing it totally straight. <laughs> Tim Curry's all his performance, whether it's uh, because of his background as, as a theater actor, who knows, always kind of, in his performances, gives a bit of a wink, I find. There's usually humor in there. Oh, yeah. And as uh, Lon John Silver, he looks good in pirate garb, 
it's a he has a crutch. It's not just a peg leg that he's hopping on. But he doesn't have any. He's missing a, a leg. He's missing a leg, right? It's not a peg leg, and uh, which I think is pretty interesting. But I, it still works. I mean, Tim Curry he really lays it on thick, trying to suck up to Jim Hawkins, trying to figure out if he has the map or not. In uh, many scenes in this film, and um, one thing that stuck out to me watching Muppet Treasure Island is I think it came yeah. off as looking like a cheaper film than Muppet Christmas Carol. Well, you, I think I can actually see where you're coming from because there's there's a a lot of like they spend so much time on the boat you do feel like they're trying to get as much money's worth out of that boat set as possible. And, and then when they get on the island, they're, it's like they're always on the same beach. And they're all, and then sometimes they're a little bit inland, but there's nothing that really makes any of the locations on the island really stand out. No, and there's something in the Muppet Christmas Carol, I think, that was so delightful. The really detailed Victorian England set design. Uh, and every single scene really, you know... I don't know because it was all in a studio. Didn't call it. Didn't yeah. look as, as, to me, fake looking as Muppet Treasure Island does. We well, you know what I, th- I think part of it uh, is uh, is that I think way a, a tremendous amount of detail went into all the the, the Muppet costumes in this movie. Yeah. I mean, there's Muppets in powdered wigs, Muppets in all this period garb and pirate garb. I, I think so much attention was played was uh, to those details that some of the some of the things they could have done with the set dressing was was underplayed. I think that's a good point. You also have a lot more. It felt to me a lot more Muppets in a lot of different scenes, moving around and doing things. Whether it's the whole pirate crew or the the bad Muppets, like the evil goat and that sort of thing. Well, he, he's he's barely evil. He's just idiotic. Yes. More idiotic than uh, than anything. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I think there's only like there's only like two, uh, there's the the only human crew members are Jim Long John Silver. That one guy, I think one-eyed Bill and big fat pug ugly baby eating O'Brien. <laughs> right. Um, it's also worth mentioning this movie came out right or, uh, shortly before the Muppets Tonight Show debuted on ABC, um, which was sort of a yeah. It was a uh, it was a month just a month before that premiere. I, I think because because Disney had the rights to the Muppets at this time, correct? Um, it was it was before the German company. Got you, them you know, I don't I don't know if they I don't think they out and out had the rights, but they certainly were working a lot with Disney. And ABC is owned by Disney, and uh, I think was at this yeah. time. I, I think I think they were they were honestly planning on a big Muppets media blitz. You know, they they thought that that, that the Muppets were going to have that they were going to give the Muppets in the '90s the same success that they had had in the uh, '70s and '80s. And this is just the opening barrage of all that. Yeah, and that Muppets Night Show lasted for uh, two two seasons. Two abbreviated, out of sequence, scattered across Ugh. time seasons. Yeah. Yep. Which is a shame because it was a pretty good show. Right. But we'll talk about that. We later. will on our uh, yeah our TV show spinoff episode down the road. But back to Muppet Treasure Island. I find this movie, and I don't know why this is with some of these Muppet movies, kind of difficult to talk about. 
Really? Uh, I, I think maybe I'm just not, with Muppet Treasure Island, I'm just not as familiar with it. I've only seen it twice compared to the other Muppet movies, which I've seen over and over again. I can say this this one I've seen very frequently. I've probably actually seen I think my most viewed Muppet movie is Muppets Take Manhattan. Yeah. This would be my second most viewed Muppet movie. Probably Muppet Takes Manhattan, I think, is probably the one I've seen the most. Um What's something about the movie that sticks out to you, Thrasher? Oh gosh. Well, I love this movie has some of my favorite ugly Muppets in it. Like there, there have always been kind of twisted Muppets and monster Muppets, but the crew, the the crooked crew of the Hispaniola in this movie, it's it's probably the best collection of freakish Muppets on film. I mean, you've got the goat, which is made out of the scraggly fur and is covered with scars. You've got that guy whose head is basically a top hat with this terrifying monster mouth. <laughs> You've got that uh, that woman with the weird knobbly nose, and of course Sweetums. Of course Sweetums. And they and they get so and they get so much screen time. They get about as much screen time as the heroic Muppets. When I think of creepy Muppets in the film, I think of some of the human, uh, like the Muppet looking. I don't. Know, do you call them human looking Muppets or Muppet looking humans? I don't. The tall Muppets. Right. They're kind of like, uh, especially in the. Uh, big cabin fever number there's some that look like you know wealthy look like wealthy humans but they're actually muppets and something i'm not i'm not sure i understand what you're describing i'm talking about muppets and muppet treasure island that oh wait they look like oh, humans no, I know. When, when, during, yeah. the, during the whole thing where, where they're where there's where there's that verse in the song where they're speaking in those posh british accents yep. and sipping tea that that's oh that's yeah yeah I think those look kind of scary, and you have, a few, you have a few Muppets in here that look like humans, which that always throws me off, because I'm so used to the main Muppets looking like animals, or, or creatures, or whatever they are. Hmm. You know, actually, you know the thing about it, the one thing this movie is missing is Rolf the dog. Really good point. Rolf the dog has been... And he was in Muppet Christmas Carol, wasn't he? I think pretty briefly. But I think he's in that one. I freely admit I don't remember. But you're right. I mean, that, that is a... Hmm. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Listeners, if you know. And even then, like, yeah. Statler and Waldorf are worked in in the weirdest way. <laughs> That's very bizarre. They're on the... Uh, They're the masthead of the The masthead ship. of the ship, right. I mean, you'd think you could have them as, as like, old coots or something. Because that's one of the jokes, is that the rats are have sneakily set up a side business of a Caribbean cruise on the ship for rats. You'd think they could be crotchety old... I think you could get so much more humor out of Statler and Waldorf if they were, like, crotchety old retirees, like, taking the cheapest cruise they could find to save money. And, like, trying to play shuffleboard through the scenes and uh, things like that. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, they, they make their same old jokes and everything, but it just comes off as... Yeah, I don't know. I would have liked them to have a more active role, although they always comment on the sides. They even save the life of uh, Kermit and Piggy in one scene. Just by being there, happening to catch them. So... 
No, no one comments about how they have a living masthead. <laughs> no. But then again, that's not what these movies are about. These movies take place in their own uh, reality. I think it's I like I like in my head I like to imagine that Statler and Waldorf had to spend three hours in a makeup chair every day being <laughs> prepped for those scenes. That would have been something. I mean, jeez, uh, I really like uh, speaking of the Muppets. I really like Miss Piggy in this movie. Yeah, it, it's a real fun part. She plays Benjamin the Gun in the novel. It's uh, just Ben Gun. But in this one, it's uh, Captain Smollett's ex-fiance who is worshipped by a whole tribe of primitive boars, one of which uh, whose name is Spa-Am. Which led to a lawsuit. Did it? Yeah, there was uh, the, um, the the company the company that, that owns, the that created Spam, that, that produces the product Spam, yeah. They, because uh, of course it's a, it's a cute gag to have this guy with a name that sounds like a pork product. They uh, uh, before the film was released, they did threaten a lawsuit. Uh, I think eventually it was settled, but there was a, at the time there was a lot of talk about the film's release getting delayed because they might have to edit out all the fi- uh, either edit out all the footage with Spatam or change his name and redub all the scenes. They literally referred. Which didn't happen. They refer to his name, I think, only in the scene where he's introduced. That's true. They- and now that you mention it, it only comes out that one time. Yeah, it's um pretty crazy. But anyway, Miss Piggy, she's just kind of this it's a great introduction to her cuz it's a big build up. You're not sure who's going to come as the head of this tribe with all this dramatic music and just her with the headdress and everything. I just think is a really great fit for the character and it gives her followed by an awesome pratfall. Awesome pratfall. And uh, she also gets to fight some of this. She has a much more active role in Muppet Treasure Island than she did in Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, she's not just an egomaniac and not just Kermit crazy, although that's because she's not playing herself. She's playing the character. Exactly. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, in Muppet Christmas Carol, she just cooks Christmas uh, dinner, and that's about it. And tells off Scrooge. And tells off Scrooge, but it's not... This one is more Miss Piggy-ish. So, pretty cool. (laughs) So what do you think of the running gag in the movie that Miss Piggy, uh, after she broke up with uh, Kermit, has been sleeping around with a bunch of other pirates? Well, what else are you going to do? It's the middle of the ocean. It is the middle of the ocean. Lots of time on your hands. So who was it that they established that she slept with? One was Long John Silver. And I'm glad they never showed that scene. That would have been disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, we could do that for sequel cast theater. We could do that love scene between (laughs) Tim Curry and Miss Piggy. Oh, God. I feel like bacon tonight. (laughs) I like my slabs extra thick. Mm. That's a, that is terrifying. That's what a serial killer says. Yep. It doesn't even sound like Tim Curry either, but... <laughs> so you're just imagining a serial killer coming into that scene and killing them and eating them. Yep. Okay. One strip at a time. 
Do you... Um, one of my favorite bits of acting in the movie, and this actually is between Tim Curry as Lon John Silver and Kevin Bishop as Jim Hawkins, where Jim lets Lon John Silver get away. Yeah. I, I think you get some real good emotional moments where... You're, and there's different dialogue throughout the film where Long John Silver says, "Well, you know, I always, uh, I always liked you, Jim," and seems like kind of a nice person at heart in some way, even though he's greedy and selfish. Well, that's the real thing with Long John. There's kind of two things with Long John Silver: is you know, one again, he he is a liar, and you can never be really sure whether he means that, whether whether he really means that when he's talking to Jim, or whether he's just doing that to manipulate Jim. But two. The the interesting thing about Treasure Island, both the the book and most film adaptations, is that Jim is Jim is a boy without a father, and he's constantly torn between the two father figures of Long John Silver and Captain Smollett. You know, Captain Smollett is is successful and he's on the up and up, and he's a man and he's a man of honor, but he's also not that exciting. But then you've got Long John Silver, who is exciting, who is dangerous, who takes risks. And who stands to profit more than anyone from this venture, but it, but it also you know, has a lot of enemies as well. And Jim is constantly torn between the between those two poles. And that's something that I think this film really plays up. It does, and I think their chemistry uh, works. I think it's a real effective scene, and I wish... Yeah, there would have been more there, but you're also faithfully adapting a classic novel. Although it does, it does lead to a great callback because the way the way the pirates get rid of Sam the Eagle when he's on the verge of figuring them out is that they uh, is that they sort of send him to do a he he gets Sam the Eagle gets sent to do a thorough safety inspection of everything, and they get him to do a safety inspection on a lifeboat and just kind of push him out to sea. And then, of course, later, after Long John Silver is rowing away, uh, and they find out that Silver's missing and so is a lifeboat, uh, Sam says, But, sir, sir, I've inspected everything. That lifeboat was dangerously unsafe. And then, of <laughs> course, we see the lifeboat sinking in another scene with him on board, so presumably he drowned and died. Or was eaten by a Muppet show. You know, it shows him swimming towards the island. I was just concerned for uh, Tim Curry's health. I don't think he could survive a swim to an island through an ocean, but maybe he could. I don't know. It, well, I mean, he's, the, the one leg he's got is pretty strong. Yep. I think he could make it. The real trick is, can he sexually dominate a tribe of wild boars? Oh, I think Tim Curry could absolutely sexually dominate a tribe of wild boars. And then, and then you'd have a tribe of half boars, half Tim Curries. Just imagine that curry pork, you. Right, it would just be terrifying. A bunch of little muppets that sound like Tim Curry, a little uh, pig, half pig, half human monstrosities. <laughs> so that'd be something indeed. That would have been a great sequel. It uh, it would have been, yeah. Um, Oh, this is one last thing about this movie that really bugged me. So we mentioned earlier yes. there's the love song, Love Let Us Here. And in it, Kermit and Miss Piggy are upside down, you know, hung upside down next to each other. And they're kind of professing their rekindled love for each other as they might, mm. you know, meet their certain doom. Because it's, they're both hanging upside down via a rope and the rope is hanging over um, a fire that is burning the rope and 
very quickly it seems like they're going to fall into the ocean down below, the cliffs down below. And as that song is going on, it cross-cuts, I think kind of awkwardly, to Lon John Silver and his pirate cronies collecting the treasure from the location on the, from its true location. I kind of like, I actually kind of like that cut for two reasons. One, it does get kind of, it would be kind of visually boring to just keep looking at the same two dangling Muppets. Yeah. But, but. Two, it is a neat juxtaposition because while while Kermit and Piggy are now are, are sort of looking on the bright side and realizing that you know they could look at the way they've been reunited as as something that has to do with love, the pirates are also motivated by love, love of gold. And I love that we get to see them frolicking and like play like swimming through piles of gold in slow motion. It's it's almost it's almost sensuous the way the pirates are seen interacting with the gold piles. It is, and if you like the sound of Tim Curry laughing, he laughs several times throughout this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and um, with that, uh, Muppet Treasure Island, would you recommend it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, on my end, I think I'm a little bit hesitant. I'm not sure. I think rewatching this and Muppet Christmas Carol both were not quite as good as I remembered, but they have Muppets in them. I think I might like, I think I might like a Muppet Christmas Carol a little bit more than Muppet Treasure Island. Well, Muppet Christmas Carol certainly is the more artful film, yes. but Muppet's Treasure Island I find just it's much more fun and thrilling. It's more fun. It's more Muppety certainly. Running diagnostics in three, two. Men like that is a podcast. Good so far. That really sucks. Oh no! Shut her down! No, shut her down! They thought they could make something funny. They can't do anything. They can't. Abort mission! Listen to men like that. Matt, I've got a great idea for a podcast. You and me, we watch movies, right? And some of them are kind of bad, and so we make fun of them. But maybe some of them are good. Chris, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And eat snacks. Movie Fighters, an original idea on the Greenlit Podcast Network. We've given our thoughts on Muppet Treasure Island. I think it's time to move on to Sequel Cast Theater. In <laughs> Sequel Cast Theater, in which uh, Thrasher and I each perform a different scene from the film, and you get to go and either watching the clip on YouTube or listening to it on uh, at a youtube.com slash sequelcast. I lost the accent there. Or uh, going to <laughs> checking it out on, on the show. You can... Uh, so, something, yes. Oh, so something I want to say before we start. Uh, Matt, Matt sends me sends me the, the scripts we're going to read as we do the show, and I just like the script that it just starts with me, and then all the stuff he's going to read, then you, <laughs> and all the stuff, as if me and you were the character. Well, I think you get what I'm saying, don't you? <laughs> I, I do. Okay. It just it struck me as funny. Great. Um, so and Funny, ha ha. Funny, haha. Uh, the Muppet with the sequel cast theater. What we're gonna do is we're each gonna take turn doing a different scene, and then you, the listener, get to vote and decide who does better. And you can do that through Facebook.com/sequelcast or go to YouTube/dot.com/sequelcast uh, and comment on there, or even send us an email at sequelcast at gmail.com. Uh, I should also mention I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. The theme song to the sequel cast is performed by Mark with a C. You can check out his albums at markwithac.bandcamp.com or just simply at markwithac.com. Many thanks for that. Um, okay, so sequel cast theater. I'm going to start. 
uh, to set the scene, my scene mm-hmm. is with um, Captain Smollett. Captain Smollett, thank you, Thrasher, is talking, played by Kermit the Frog in the film, is talking to Squire Trelawney, played by Fozzie Bear, and they're kind of having a discussion about some uh, a, a little man that lives in Fozzie Bear's finger. So I'll begin. Who hired this crew? This is undoubtedly the seediest bunch of cutthroats, villains, and scoundrels I have ever seen. So who hired them? Your finger hired the crew? No, that's silly. The man who lives in my finger hired the crew. Mr. Bimble. What? Oh, yeah, he he relied heavily on the advice of an excellent cook, Lon John Silver. A cook? A guy who lives in a bear's finger? Exactly. I'm starting to worry about this voyage. Mm-hmm. God, my Fozzie was splendid. Okay. I, I want to thank you, by the way, for giving me a, a scene with mostly uh, a, a part written for a seven-year-old child so that I can't possibly do the voice. And Tim Curry. Well, that's different. I could do Tim okay. Curry. Okay. Well, what's... All right, well, uh, I'm not, I don't need to set the scene. I think this will be completely self-evident. Uh, Go ahead. I'm so- <laughs> I was about to. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, now, okay, but once again, returning to the... I'm sorry your present didn't work out. Ah, Jim. Smollett sails by rules and laws. That's what being a captain's all about. Me, I sails by the stars. Stars? North, Jim. Find me north out there among them stars. Well, that's easy. Ah, yeah. But if you didn't have a compass... Long John, please don't drop it. That was my father's. It's all I have. Please. Please. I'm sorry, lad. I were only fooling. How old were you when he died then? Seven. I never ate when my father died at sea. First mate he was. My father was first mate too. He was now by the powers. What a coincidence. So who did a better job doing the different voices and so forth? Me, Matt, or Thrasher? Post your vote on facebook.com slash sequelcast or go to youtube.com slash sequelcast. So uh, that's sequelcast theater. <laughs> I have to say in my scene midway through, I don't want to lose on purpose, but I was getting confused <laughs> what character is which. And I spoke like Kermit and Fozzie like mixed up in some of those lines. <laughs> you forgot your Fozzie voice between two lines. Your Fozzie had two distinct voices. I'm not even sure if it was a Fozzie to begin with, but yeah. Um, it was supposed to be Fozzie. At any rate, sequel cast theater. Okay. <laughs> so, now that we've done that segment, what's next? Well, usually it's uh, what you're watching. That's right. Why am I forgetting this stuff? Jesus. Did, did, you, did you get a concussion? While you were watching this movie. I did not get a concussion while watching this movie, but yeah, something seems off. I don't know. It's been a really uh, super busy time at work. Maybe that's it. I have no idea. Oh, no. Before what you're watching, it's Pitch a Sequel. Damn it. <laughs> okay. We'll do that instead. <laughs> yes. Pitch a Sequel is our segment on Sequel Cast, in which we... I think we usually do Pitch a Sequel first, but okay. 
Yeah. Anyway, but sequel is a segment on Sequel Cast where we pretend like none of the movies after this one existed, and we pitch a sequel. Meaning that, so we're gonna pretend Muppet Treasure Island was the last Muppet film ever made. What would we pitch for a sequel? I will start. I, uh, if I was doing a sequel to Muppet Treasure Island, pretending the other ones didn't exist, I think I would try and continue the storybook theme and do, um, I think you'd have to do something really classic, like, uh, but still keep... The Iliad? Not the Iliad, but I think uh, you'd still keep with kind of the pseudo-pirate kind of outdoor adventure theme because Muppet Treasure Island was so successful. Uh, I think something like Muppet uh, Robinson Crusoe could be fun. And that you keep these sort of outdoor settings and have some pseudo-pirate stuff going on there and themes of survival. And uh, it'd be an easy follow-up, I think, to Muppet Treasure Island, Muppet Robinson Crusoe. Thrasher, what's your... Or it will. Pitch. My sequel would have the Muppets returning to Robert Louis Stevenson well. It would be the Muppets, the curious case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh. And you'd have uh, you'd have Gonzo playing this kind of goofy mad scientist, Dr. Jekyll. And he would, of course, invent a formula that turns him into Mr. Hyde, who would be played by Sweetums. Mm. And it would be an awesome breakout part for Sweetums because, like, Sweetums would have several, several dance, several song and dance numbers. He'd get to really act and be on screen, not just a monster in the background. So he, he would when he speaked, would he sound like Kermit or Sweetums? Oh no, he'd sound like Sweetums because Sweetums is playing the part of Mister Hyde. I see. Hmm. You know that that'd be pretty interesting. You could also kind of. Have some horrific Muppets in there, too. Oh, yeah. Play up the monster angle. And I think I think I would have Miss Piggy as uh, as the, the housemaid, who sort of who witnesses all the craziness going on in the laboratory. Didn't they do a Julia Roberts movie just about the housemaid and Jekyll and Hyde? I believe they Mary did. Mary Riley, I think. Yeah, I believe right. that was actually the title of the film. And then Malkovich was Jekyll and Hyde in that. I've never seen it, but um, I've always been curious. So that's my sequel. So we're going to close things out with, as you reminded me, Thrasher, what you're watching, in which we talk about a piece of media that we've enjoyed over the past week, whether it be movie, film, uh, music, whatever. I will begin. I have been enjoying sitting back and watching a uh, some of season two of A Game of Thrones mm-hmm. on HBO. I'm finding it really enjoyable, and part of me, before going into it, I didn't read the second book. I only ever read read the first uh, Game of Thrones book, just called Game of Thrones. I think technically the series is called A Song of Ice and Fire. That is correct. Um, although I'm not sure if that's still the case with the Game of Thrones TV series out. For some reason, I think they might have renamed stuff. Um, no, the, the series is still called A Game of Thrones. Is it? Okay. Yep. So, anyway, but the season two is good so far. There's so many characters, I'm having a hard time remembering who is who. So, um... What about you, Thrasher? What's something you've been watching? Well, I haven't been watching too too much as far as television or movies go. Uh, what I have been doing 
I guess it, for me it's kind of a, a, a two-pronged thing. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been playing a lot of the uh, of the tile game Carcassonne, and then I've been uh, I've been getting back into reading heavy metal. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's really it, I really like the the magazine Heavy Metal. It's 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 now you know it's been run by Kevin Eastman for for quite a while now, and he's he's done a lot to keep that the magazine vibrant. They get a lot of really amazing uh, comics uh, comic book content from uh, from Europe. They get a lot of neat material from up and comers. Uh, and and but I, I will freely admit, you know, it uh, it is uneven. The best issue of heavy metal, it's it's like what Bill Hader said about uh, about Saturday Night Live. The best volume of heavy metal has three things you love and one thing you hate in it. And that's very true. I think they're I think they're getting around their thirty fifth. They're getting close to their thirty fifth anniversary. So they've been they've been putting a lot of materials from some of their longest running contributors and have been doing a lot of retro covers. And it's I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's reignited my love for the magazine. Yeah, I've always meant to read the magazine. I just never have. Um, you know, we, we there's uh, two heavy metal movies. We ought to do that sometime. That would be fun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thrasher. Yeah, and with us for a. Uh, a special uh, additional look at Muppet Treasure Island is Thrasher. Hey! And Jersey Jason. Hey guys, I missed you all so much. Hey, missed you all too. Very good. No, no, um, I'm talking to the audience, not you. Oh, okay. I gotcha. I know where I stand. All right. Muppet Treasure Island is uh, Perhaps. Oh, go ahead. Well, no. What were you, you going to say? I'm going to say it's one guess. of my favorite. It's one of my favorite Muppet movies. Why? I okay. Number one, Tim Curry, but I also love the story of Treasure Island, and I like the way they deal with the source material. It's a classic tale. They keep um, they keep uh, Jim Hawkins as a human in this, but I like the additions of the characters as well as having um, uh, Smollett played by uh, Kermit. Isn't that interesting that Kermit, as Smollett, you know, doesn't come into the film until later on? And True, he, and again, Miss Piggy doesn't come on until, like, what, the third of the movie's already done. Oh, you're right, yeah. Like halfway through, at, at least. At least halfway, yeah. Because, I mean, also, that's a gender-flipped character. They kind of, they kind of mess around with the, the role of... Um, uh, ben ben Gunn. Gunn. Thank you. Of Gunn being, I guess, worshipped by all these island pigs. Which definitely, if you think about it, on an animal like that, would probably have uh, boars and such. It's not a stretch. True. But again, the way that the Muppets do it is... Yeah, I don't think there would have been puppets on a, on a, a deserted island. That'd be weird. Um, but uh, and, and again, Tim Curry in this is pretty fantastic. I mean, imagine if that character, if that character had been played by a puppet... This movie would not have been as uh, as critical. It would not have been as good a movie if you'd had it that way. Yeah, it wouldn't be quite the same. And also, who would have played him? Which of the Muppets would actually have played uh, Long John Silver? Now, there's an interesting question. Um, Which Muppet is missing a leg? Well, they're all missing legs. Well, no, they're not. <laughs> We There's saw them. Puppets. You saw them riding bikes. They all have legs. <laughs> do you Frog think? Legs. Do you think uh, Ralph the dog could have been a good Long John Silver? Doctor no. Doctor Teeth. Doctor Teeth, maybe. 
I could see Dr. Teeth as a Long John Silver. Hey, now, here's a question. I'm trying to remember, in the movie, do they have any of the uh, Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem? Uh, who do they have? They have... Um, Animal. Animal is Animal? there. He's kind of a background guy. Um, and what's the one that plays... Oh, the, wait, no, no. Dr. Doctor. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem are in it, because when the rats are doing their cruise line thing, they're the entertainment in the evening, and they're playing this kind of horn-based waltz. Ah. Like, and then they make some crack. It's the only way they let us in the movie. <laughs> See, it's been a while since I've seen it. I've been listening to the music and watching some of the music on the YouTube. Um, that's the only way that I've been able to see it. I don't have a copy myself. Uh, I used to have, used to have a VHS copy of it. Hmm. That was a classic format for you. Way back in the day. Yeah. Again, um, if they, if they release a Criterion Collection. Of Muppet movies, and they should. Which would be uh, would this uh, would this one be on it? It would have to be. You know, I don't know. I, I, think, I think this movie is for diehard fans. It's. I think. I think absolutely everybody should watch it. But I think only a few fans know it exists. It's not as widely. It's interesting that we're covering it. But but at the same time as we talked about earlier, it, it's still the highest grossing of all the Muppet movies, correct? Uh, no. What I was saying is it was the sec at the time of release in '96. It was the second highest grossing Muppet movie theatrically, next to the Muppet movie, the first one. Oh, okay. And of course, as of now, 2012, that's not the case. It's the the newest Muppet movies is the highest grossing. Um. But I'm I'm not sure what all that, gro- box office Muppet grossing numbers is with adjusted for inflation and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. for, you know who I did? You know what I also liked in this movie? Who? I really like Sam the Eagle. He's great. Oh, he's awesome. He, he looks <laughs> so good and he has the he has the right clothing and stuff. He has yeah. the American flag uh and stuff in the vest. Don't don't I usually he fits. Don't they get some more mileage out of that bag it is the American way. And <laughs> well, again, that's the British, that is. You know, it is the British way. Don't they use that again? That's for Muppet Christmas Carol. I could swear they reuse it at some he does some things, in but Treasure Island. In Treasure Island, they're not... Um, wait, okay, now here's a... Oh, wait, now I'm feeling really dumb. Where do they leave from? Uh, where do they actually leave from in Treasure Island? <laughs> Did they leave from Britain, or did they leave from, uh, like, uh, along the uh, uh, the colonies? Not pretty sure it's Britain. Because uh, I've got to look at the... Uh, mm, I'm, I'm thinking about that, because the Hispaniola... Because the actual... No, it would have been in England. He leaves from England in this, but in the book, I'm trying to remember if he leaves from England as well. I'm pretty sure he does. Because that's a long trip to the Keys. That's a long trip to uh, wherever that bear, uh, that uh, treasure buried. But what's really interesting is the actual uh, the actual bar in the beginning of the movie is based off a bar, an old tavern that exists in Savannah, Georgia, where I'm currently living. Really? Um, yeah, the Captain Flint uh, actually supposedly died in this place called the Pirates Inn uh, or the uh, the Pirates uh, Tavern, um, which the is the Pirate House. The Pirate House. It yeah. used to be a tavern, but it used, and, and Captain Flint supposedly died there, but if I can quote from the book like I do every time I 
take tourists on tours of the area. If ever there ever was a soul that would walk the earth again, it'd be that of Captain Flint. Again, if I could do an impression of Tim Curry as good as Thrasher, I'd be doing this entire thing as him. Did you have <laughs> him on? Did you have Tim Curry on? We had uh, Thrasher do a, a good bit of his Tim Curry. Yep. Uh, we we could we could try to get Tim Curry on right now if you want. Mm. I would Tim? love to talk to him. Tim. What? Tim, is that you? Well, here he is. Here he is now. <laughs> Hi, boys. Oh, Mr. Uh, Curry. Uh, Mr. Mr. What Curry. Wow. Um, I, I just want to tell you how much I love you in this movie. Uh, it is a great performance, and uh, you make an awesome pirate. I love that you watched this movie. Now, Tim <laughs> Curry, is it true, uh, or Mr. Curry, I should say, or is it just Curry? How do you, how do you go by? Oh, no, no, please, please call, call me Tim. Okay, Timmy. Uh, when no, 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 you've gone too far there. Okay, just just Tim. All right. Just Tim. So, so, uh, so familiar, Tim. but not that familiar, and I, I and I can get pretty familiar indeed. Uh, that's what I've heard. Uh, so, Tim, what I was wondering is that when you filmed uh, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York, did you request a few too many retakes of that scene where you go into the shower and uh, see a clown in there? I am a master. Of, of the one take. I like to barrel through a scene. And the, the only way I would have done uh, that uh, scene, or shot that scene twice, would be if I was also playing the clown. Beep, beep! Now, I've heard you did a take of that oh, scene. Oh, I've heard you did a take of that scene where you were naked in the shower and Macaulay Culkin stumbled upon you. I don't guy. know what fan fiction you've been reading, Matt. That is, that is an awful... Not so awful image, but that is that is a truly spurious tale. Be pleasing. Um, that sounds like Patrick Stewart has walked into the room. He's not here. It's just me. Make it so. Man, if if Tim Curry, did you ever try out to be the captain on Star Trek: Next Generation? That would have been something. Actually, no, no. I I always had it in my heart to play a Klingon. <laughs> I I could see that. Sure. I totally I, could see that. I even spent three years immersively studying the language. Hmm. Pukta! Oh, something I want to draw. Something I want to draw attention to. Um, I went over to uh, RottenTomatoes.com. Yes. Oh, I, got I, a good. Have I been dismissed? The movie. Yes. The movie has been stated at a, a, a good. Has been. Uh, it's at seventy percent. So it's pretty fresh. That is. That's uh, very high. And it's pretty good. And the, the thing is, a lot of people don't know about it. People who do know about it think it's not... Like I saw this comment. Somebody said, not enough Muppets. Hmm. What? There's a lot too of much Muppets tre- in this. Too much Treasure Island, not enough Muppets. I, I, I think, you know, that might be more of a fair thing to say about the Muppet Christmas Carol being too much uh, Christmas Carol, not enough Muppets. The Muppet Treasure Island... Is is much more Muppety, I think, than Muppet Christmas Carol. But I think that's the problem with adapting any work. Mm, right. You're, you're basically you're trying to to shovel all these Muppets in. You've got this huge crew of people, uh, or I should say, huge crew of Muppets on the ship. Most of the Frogs, uh, English people. Else. Yeah, most of the English captains and stuff. They're all English. The only people you have like maybe three human pirates: Long John Silver and Ben Hawkins. Or Jim Hawkins. Who's Ben Hawkins? 
Was that Boo Radley? No, that's Boo Radley. Ben Hawk. <laughs> no. Ben Hawkins. Why does that sound familiar? Help me out here, guys. Ben Hawkins. That's unfamiliar to me. Is that something? I'm going to look that up. Discuss. Ben Hawkins was a NFL football player. No, Ben Hawkins was the name of the protagonist in Carnival. One of my, oh, one of, love that okay. show. Yeah, Ben Hawkins. Gotcha. Named after Jim Hawkins. So again, young uh, young male is taken in by uh, basically a crew going. Here's here's the question: Why why pick Jim Hawkins? Because he has the map. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's the MacGuffin. Here, but here's the thing: is that, like even in the book, I don't understand it as much as like okay, uh, uh, Smollett takes a liking to him. And then, yeah, you did have young boys on the ships and such back in the day to, like, do work and, and other things. But... Wow. It's a true fact that happens. <laughs> As opposed to the other kinds of fact. Yes. The made-up facts. <laughs> fact fictions. We call them fiction factions. <laughs> Fractions. Factions. Uh, manipulated factions. Um... Uh, but it's like it's you're trying to basically I don't want to say pigeonhole you're trying to adapt you're you're trying to put these Muppets in something that isn't original but they did make this movie feel original if a kid had no concept of Treasure Island the only thing that I would think would become inaccurate is the whole thing with uh, Benjamina but everything else is is pretty true to form I mean the songs fit the songs are super original Oh man, uh, uh, Listen, I Adventure. love that "Shiver My Timbers" song that opens the movie. Yeah. That's Coming disturbing. But those are the kind of songs. Those are the kind of, I guess, pro- um, production. Those like little, um, those little dance numbers. Those little numbers. That's the those produced numbers are are so Muppet. I mean, think about it. when. When you think of Muppet, you think of those scenes like in uh, Muppet Sigma Manhattan, where everybody's together. You think uh, in Muppet movie, you think yeah. of uh, why are there so many rainbows? That that kind of thing where everybody's singing and they're kind of dancing and doing other things. Um, there was another movie that I think tried to kind of has that have that uh, Buzzley Berkeley feel, um, which was I'm gonna I'm not sure was Joe's apartment a Henson production. Uh, no, that was MTV Films. Okay, good. But I'm trying to think, like, what other, what other Muppet movie? Was there, was that a big thing in, um, uh, The Muppet Caper? Was there ever a big song thing? I mean, yeah, there were songs in Muppet Caper. There is a scene, what, I think, are they in the swimming pool thrasher? Pardon? Is in Muppet Caper, isn't there a big a musical number where they're in a swimming pool? Oh, oh yes. Like yeah, the Bubsy Berkeley. Happiness, Miss Piggy. Yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, see, yeah, and those, they have those numbers that kind of harken back to an old feel of Hollywood. Whereas this movie, it, it seems just like a, uh, I don't want to say this in a bad way, it seems like a puppet show. But I think having humans in it kind of elevates it, especially ones such as Tim Curry. Um, I mean, he has such, he has a long history of singing, but he does. like you, and he was in, he was in, uh, Monty Python. I think this is where my question is. He was in Monty Python as, um, 
King Arthur. In, in the Spamalot Spam musical, right. In the London and Broadway run. Of a, exactly. A of, I yep. wish he would do more things like this, but sure. how many things like this exist? How I mean, many outlets just like this? I agree in that Tim Curry, he's been doing a lot of animation stuff. He has a voice in an upcoming horror film called um, Ginger Clown 3D. Uh, as the voice of the ginger clown, which sounds an awful light like uh, Pennywise the clown from It. Well, you know they're trying to redo. They're trying to redo It. I, I've read that too. Yes. Um, I wonder if they'll keep Tim Curry as a clown or have someone else. I don't know. But I, I think It could use. A redo. I don't think he'd want to tread back. I don't think he'd want to go back. You don't? And do it. I don't know. I think it might be a nice homage. Um, well, he, he, they'll do the clown CGI, and then he'll just dub the voice in. Yeah, but something. You're, you lose something if you don't see the monster. Do you think uh, Billy? Like... Do you think Billy Bob Thornton would be a creepy Pennywise the clown? Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. He'd be disturbing, not creepy. Hmm. I don't think he'd be as scary because there's something about how light and bright Tim Curry is. And again, in this movie, he's like this. He's like this kind of mentor, but like, oh, I'm so jolly. I'm a jolly pirate. And then, of course, he's also a killer. He's, he's going to mutiny. And in the yep. book, he's going to kill. He does kill uh, a good number of the pirates. He kills a few of the British uh, sailors so they can have the revolt. Um, he threatens to kill Jim how many times? Uh, constantly. A lot. And <laughs> like, there's also, an implied menace. Like, you think he might be willing to kill that kid if it's convenient. Oh, absolutely. And if he thinks he can get away, if he gets in a boat and is able to get, oh, God, oh, man. I think one thing that... I'm trying to remember now. Mm, go ahead. I was trying to remember, there's a pirate movie where the pirate gets away with all of his... Maybe it's not a pirate. A guy gets away with all this gold and stuff, and then he realizes once he's like maybe a mile out to sea that his little dinghy has a uh, hole. That's Tim Curry. That is this movie. Yes. God, again, yeah, yeah. I only, I only saw it's, the song. It's the very end. It's the very end. I only movie. saw the songs, okay? <laughs> Give me right. a break. No, that's fine. It, with, um, I, I do want to say... When I'm watching this, one thing that I'm reminded of, Muppet Treasure Island was, you know, distributed by Walt Disney Pictures in 96. And six years later, they uh, came out with another take on Treasure Island, the cartoon Treasure Planet. Oh, yeah. That's the one that made all those accountants cry. Yeah, they, well, they lost see, a lot of money on that you, one. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up uh, Disney's connection. Again, MGM on the rights to, uh, to Kermit and the Muppets. And then they sold them. Yeah. They sold them to the Swedish, I believe. Uh, Germans, I think. I think Germans, but I'm not sure who owned them at this point, but I know Disney was involved in the production and distribution of Muppet Disney Christmas. Disney owned them at this point. No, they, 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 they had, did. They, well, they had the Muppet show. They yeah. had that Muppet um, show that was on ABC at the time when they owned ABC. Well, I think that might have been the year that they actually purchased ABC. But then also they... Was it they? Oh man! They used to have the three show at MGM Studios, which I used to love. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, and they they definitely were using the Muppets, but they weren't really bringing out hit after hit. And again, with the direction they were going, it was less. It was less physical stuff. They wanted more um, movies based on their own properties with like kids as the helms, and then also uh, Pixar. A uh, big thing about it was like Pixar was like, what are we going to do? We don't need puppets anymore. We can tell these amazing stories through CGI. And of course, the Muppets come back just this last year. 
Actually, yeah, that's a question. Who the heck put that out? That was Disney. That was Disney. So they got him. Okay. I the, the decisions they make. I I'm glad I don't have stock. Right. It's very weird. Uh... As, as I understand, the whole way, the way that happened is that is that Jason Siegel got a development deal with Disney or a company owned by Disney, and they just wanted to come in and make pitches. And he's like, well, wait a minute, don't you guys own the Muppets? Yeah, well, then that's my pitch. I do a Muppet movie. Well, he also worked with the, the Jim Henson Studios on a segment in his film. Oh, my God, what was it called? I'm trying to think. Just give me a minute. He did a film where he had a character that was made, making a puppet musical based on Dracula, Oh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's, That's a right. brilliant scene. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And the part about the, the Dracula puppet musical in there, um, that Muppet part was done by the, the, the Muppet studio helped him on that. So that was his first time working directly with them. And um, so, but you're right. He pitched it to Disney and it, it took several years, but, you know, it, it did take off. And they are making a sequel to that newer Muppet film, I think, at this point, just called Muppets 2. But I'm sure it'll have felt boogaloo. I'm sure it'll have a different title when it comes out. But uh, yeah, so I mean that's interesting. With uh... oh, here's a question we were talking about earlier, Jason. Before we wrap things up, really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, Muppets Christmas Carol, Muppets Treasure Island, they all were kind of you know based on a classic sort of children's story or a classic story from literature. Do you have any? Uh, ideas for what they could have come up with if they would have followed this up with another one based on a children's story or or novel or what have you. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Ooh, really? <laughs> and in what mu- mu- what uh, Muppet characters would play who, and who would play the good Doctor Frankenstein? Gene Wilder? Uh, would, you do, would that be too no, cute? no, no? I think no, no, the no. Doctor would be. I think the Doctor would be a uh, Kermit. Oh, okay. Um, and you would go the route of the actual, like the actual book itself. Hmm. Um, it has no Igor. It has um, it has the bride later on, but of course it has Frankenstein's uh, beloved, well, not Wilhelmina, that's Dracula. Uh, he has the uh, the woman that he's in love with, his fiance, who the monster spoiler, who the monster winds up strangling and killing, so that the doctor will make her uh, his bride after reanimating her. Hmm. I think you'd have to have Igor, but you'd have to be played by Fozzie, just so he can constantly go, I've got a hunch. We should go this way. See, I think, here's the thing is, I think, that joke, oh, that's a Marty Feldman joke. (laughs) I don't believe he did that joke. He did it. I swear to God he did it. I've got a hunch, but I'm... But no, but that's why you have those eyes Because it's old hat. Yeah, fair enough, true. But here's the other thing about... uh, the classical tales is is how close do you follow them? I mean, the Christmas Carol is kind of hard to screw up, but yeah, I mean, they change just a little bit. But they probably punch follow. You can't you can't really do a horror with the Muppets. I mean, the, the kind of you have to keep the you have to keep a certain level of I don't want to say niceness. Yeah. Well, like you, I guess you you can't have the threat of death hanging over people. <laughs> yes. It doesn't quite well, work in these films. 
oh, man, you know what I was actually thinking about? What if you did the Patriot with uh, Kermit? <laughs> and then you definitely have Sam Eagle. Wow. You'd be cutting off the heads of people and scalping them? No, that's Braveheart. <laughs> 300 Muppets. Oh, God. See, again, somebody go online and make us these posters and post them to our feed. That'd be um, great. We will definitely host any art that anybody makes of puppets or Muppets hmm, of any of the Muppets in any other movies. How about, how about this one? What if hmm. you took, uh, you know, Muppets are owned by Disney now. Marvel is owned by Disney. What if they made oh, a Muppet uh, Avengers? Or would that oh, be too man. much cross-media nonsense? A, a Muppet superhero movie might be pretty fun. Fozzie Bear as... Uh, Fozzie Bear as Hawkeye? He'd put his eye out. Well, see, then I was also thinking of him as Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Fury. Oh, oh no! Okay, well, let's. Gonzo can be Doctor Banner, who turns oh, into Speedos. I was just about to say. I was just about to say that, except with um, <laughs> uh, Pepe the Shrimp, <laughs> Doctor Banner. <laughs> oh, that'd be funny. No, Pepe. Pepe should be Hawkeye, uh, but like he he fires himself out of the bow and arrow. <laughs> of course, uh, Sam the Eagle would have to be Captain America. No, no, no! No, he's a character. He, I think that if anything, he would be an auxiliary character, mm. um, one who would appear. Maybe Jake Jonah Jameson. No, he'd be one of the he'd be one of the government types that uh, that Jameson gets on the phone of um, that uh, yeah Nick Fury gets on the uh, teleconference with. Man, I guess because here's the thing is I don't want to put Kermit as Captain America, but I feel it would fit because he's kind of it's all built around him. Um, but then Miss Piggy's love is towards Hawkeye. And if she were going to play, oh, no, you know who who would play? Man, who would play Black Widow? Do you either have Janice oh, or do you have Miss Piggy? Hmm. I mean, Jan- Miss Janice Piggy. would be funnier. But... Oh. Well, maybe Miss Miss Piggy can be She-Hulk. Okay, now here I have another thing to draw us kind of back to Muppet Treasure Island. Can yep. you imagine anybody besides Tim Curry in the role of Long John Silver? That's a good way to wrap this up. Not really. Um, now there has to be... You know, I'm thinking if you wanted to go kind of more dry, what if you did... Oh, shit. i got to look up this actor's name. <laughs> Hold on. Did you have any ideas, uh, Jason or Thrasher? I'm trying to think. Uh, for for casting? Yes, for casting. Yeah, somebody somebody who'd be able to say. What about maybe, Mandy Patinkin? Maybe Patrick hmm. Stewart. Maybe. But again, there you go with that accent. I think Mandy Patinkin could do another accent. But he, he does that Spanish one in Princess Bride. But I also think, because he's got a good voice. Why not switch it and make Billy Connolly Long John Silver? He could have passed easily. That would work. Oh, what about the one, the actor I was thinking of? Uh, it was Jonathan Price. Jonathan. Oh, yes. But he has something, he has something so, I guess, upper class about him. Yeah, he's not as... About Tim Curry that makes him seem like an everyman. Right, he doesn't look as down and dirty as a... I don't believe believe Jonathan Price has anything other than somebody in a a higher cast. 
or somebody with power. I, see, here's right. the thing: is, Jonathan Price can't play a butler. Tim Curry can play a concierge butler. Uh, what was that butler show that he was on? Well, oh, it was the 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 remake of a Family Affair. He was Mr. Yep. French. Oh, that was God. it, Mr. French. It was awful. Ugh. It was terrible. Can you make a sandwich for my doll, Mrs. Beasley? <laughs> But again, Tim Curry's had such a long and awesome career. This is just another piece that just kind of fits the puzzle of why this generation loves him. Yeah. I mean, I definitely saw this in the theater. Not really, I think, I'm, I'm trying to think if at the time I knew who Tim Curry was. I had to have because I loved Clue as a kid. And I probably knew I Billy Collins. And I definitely knew who Jennifer Saunders was. Because I used to watch um, Absolute Fabulous. Right. I was an Fab fan because it played on Comedy Central. Constantly. At the time, yeah. But Tim Curry, well, I guess Clue were, uh, was always on Comedy Central. Yep. But I didn't know he was as big a singer as I found out later. How about that kid, uh, uh, Jim Hawkins, uh, Kevin Bishop? Where's he now? He, he's a pretty big comedian in Britain. Oh, he still looks good. I'm looking at his hmm. Oh, but I was, just, I was just thinking, because I think my first introduction to Tim Curry was on The Worst Witch, where he played oh, the, no. the king of all witches. Oh, yeah. I, I think for that. me it was the same as you, Jason. I think it must have been Clue. Because I watched that on video when I was fairly young. I think I would have had to have seen him for the first time in there. So, I mean, would you recommend Muppet Treasure Island? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I would, for anybody who, who hasn't seen a lot of the Muppet movies, this is a must. I would not say the same thing for Muppets from Outer Space. We, we, we ought to get, you should record some candid comments for us and send it in so we can put them in that episode. Uh, I just, will. It'll be Jason screaming for half an hour. No, it won't. Just fuck, fuck, fuck. And... Okay, possibly so possibly the sound of strength. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's a good that's a good cutoff right there. Right. If you want to edit that way, and again, you're welcome to edit it whichever way you want. <laughs> sure. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on for a little bit to talk Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, I'm, glad, I gotta, I'm glad I was able to. Oh sure, anytime. I uh, I just have to get going pretty soon. I got a screaming dog to take outside. Cool. All right, so. I'm gonna drive back to Savannah. All right. So wish luck. Yep. Well, I I guess. For the sequel cast, this is Will. Oh, me, Georgia Jason. And this is Matt saying... Find your vocation. Kevin Fever, yeah! Oh, Kevin Fever, that's a better one. Let's blend with that. Let's do it again. <laughs> okay. So, for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And Thrasher. Jersey Jason. Saying... Cabin, Cabin fever. fever. Yeah. Oh, damn it. <sighs> All right. <sighs> All right. Thanks, guys. Good night. Good night. When you're a professional fighter, you'll be honest, brave, and free. The soul of decency. You'll be loyal and fair and on the square. And most importantly, when you're a professional fighter, you're a